When I was in high school, we had to memorize this prayer called the Shema. It's a uh, prayer that was for the Israelites from Deuteronomy 6 that was prayed three times a day. Yet, just like having to memorize part of the Gettysburg Address in sixth grade, I really didn't understand what we were praying. Until one day I heard a story about a rabbi. He was arrested and sentenced to death, and he was tied to a grill where he would slowly be burned to death. And when evening came, his disciples were surprised to hear not cries of pain, but instead the song of the Shema. The pupils asked him, Rabbi, the Shema, now? He responded, all my life I've wondered what it meant to love the Lord with all my soul. And now I know. And then he died. Sometimes it takes an extraordinary event in our lives to really understand what it means to love God, to be transformed. But why wait? Why do we need to wait for the death of a loved one for some kind of terminal illness, to be able to say, Lord, I really need you in my life. Lord, I want to follow you with my whole life. Lord, I want to give my entire life to you. Jesus gives us an answer as he is approached by a scholar of the law and he is asked which commandment is the greatest. He hearkens back to this same prayer, the Shema, And he tells them, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, and with your whole mind. Out of the 613 commandments of the Jewish people, this is the one that sums up a life that is worth living. Listen, Israel, the Lord is your God. Only Adonai is your God. And you should love the Lord with all that you have. And we know that this love has to be a free choice because if love isn't a free choice, it is not love at all. It's slavery. And we don't just love God when it's convenient. We love him with all of our heart. We love him with all of our feelings, with our intellect, with our memory, all of our wealth, any influence we have, we love our God. As St. Bernard tells us, the measure of loving God is to love without measure. Yet this isn't all. Christ continues and he tells us that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And within this command, we find it necessary that our love affects two groups, both our neighbor and our very self. In other words, we can't love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. It can be easy to convince ourselves that we have to uh, have an appropriate self-love only if we need to be psychologically, emotionally, and physically healthy. But these are all measures of love of self. But to truly love ourselves, we need to know who we are. And by knowing who we are, we need to find where our true identity is found. It's not found in our jobs. It's not found in our hobbies. It's not found even in the relationships that we're in. But to truly know who we are, we must see ourselves in relation to God. By this, I don't mean that we're somehow some pitiful creatures standing before or crawling before some almighty spiritual being. But instead, we find our identity in the reality that we are truly beloved children of the Father. And that that Father, our Father, he calls us to be with him for all eternity. We can say with bold confidence, I am a son or daughter of my heavenly Father. 
And once we know our own self, our self that is worthy of being loved, we can begin to learn how our neighbor is worthy of being loved. Not as some distant figure behind a fence, but as a brother or sister, as a member of our own family, knowing that our love should go beyond mere social action. And saying that this, I'm not simply saying that we should pit love of God against social action, but rather that all social action needs to be seen in reference to our God and done because of our God. Otherwise, social action becomes just that, social action alone. Rather, to love our neighbor, we must ask what is best for them. And to ask what is best for them, we need to ask what is best for myself. Is it simply a new car or a new cell phone? No, of course not. What is best for myself is that I see myself in reference to our God as his son or daughter, and that I act as a son or daughter, as our beloved God. This is means that we know we are worthy of being loved, and that we have a capacity to love others, to love our neighbor. And we show this identity to our neighbor by our love towards them. How do we feed them? How do we clothe them? How do we give them something to drink when they are thirsty? Instead of first giving some lecture, lengthy lecture, on what it means to be a beloved child of God, we show them that they are beloved children of God. The tenderness of our God should just flow from, out, from within us. In other words, we become the Good Samaritan. Seeing someone in need of love of God, and no matter how much the world tells us to dislike who we see because of warped ideologies of the human person. It is our duty. It is a God-given command that we love our neighbor and love them with everything that we have. We need to ask ourselves, do we allow our love of God and neighbor to direct our whole life? Or do we allow man-made divisions to get in the way? You should love the Lord your God with your whole heart with your whole soul and with your whole mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we ignore this command, we will only wallow in self-pity, and we will be lost in what it means to love our neighbor. But if we do this, if we follow this command, we will flourish. We will know who we are before God, and we will truly learn what it means to love.